Happy Christmas. My name is Jeff. It's my privilege to look with you at God's Word this Christmas Day. Can I encourage you to have Mark chapter 8 open and we'll uh, read it, think about what it means and how it applies to us this Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for his uh, for who he is and for what he's done. We pray this Christmas that you help us to see clearly exactly who he is and what he's done and how we should respond to him. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you may know, uh, the word Presbyterian, it comes from a Greek word, uh, the word presbyteros. Presbyteros means literally old man. Uh, Presbyterian churches are called Presbyterian because the people who look after the church they are, um, they're called elders, literally old men. So technically, a Presbyterian church is a church run by old men. Now, of course, this is totally inapplicable in the case of our church. All of our elders are models of youthful masculine vigor. But that's the idea. A Presbyterian church is a church run by old men, presbyteroi. The only other time that you might hear a word similar to Presbyterian is if you go to the optometrist. And an and optometrist, and, and optometrist might tell you that you have what's called presbyopia, uh, literally old eyes. Let me quote from the government's Health Direct website about presbyopia. Presbyopia is a condition in which your eyes become less able to focus as you get older. Usually you notice that reading and focusing on objects close up becomes more difficult, although you will still see distant objects clearly. Presbyopia is a natural part of aging and is usually corrected with the use of glasses or contact lenses. What causes presbyopia? As you get older, the lens in your eye becomes harder and less flexible. This makes it harder to focus on close objects. People often notice changes in their vision around the age of 40. You might find it harder to focus, to read, especially in poor light. You might also find yourself holding your book further away or needing a brighter light for detailed work such as doing a crossword or crafts. The strain of focusing your eyes might also give you headaches. Presbyopia usually worsens until around the age of 65. It's a natural part of ageing and there is no known way to avoid it. Well, friends, I am a Presbyterian, and, and sadly, I'm also suffering from presbyopia. For, for years, I tried to deny it. For years, I played trombone with books, trying to, trying to be able to read them. But eventually, I had to admit the truth. And so uh, a few years ago, about six years ago, I went to the optometrist and got glasses. And now, it might have been eight years ago, now every two years, Every two years, as my eyes get worse, at around about Christmas time, I return to the optometrist for, for another eye test, and inevitably that results in me getting a newer and stronger pair of glasses. Now for me, Christmas is very much associated with eye tests. And so, and so I thought this Christmas, it might be a good idea for you and me to have a bit of a Christmas eye test. Bit of a Christmas eye test to check if we are seeing clearly. But I don't mean your physical eyes. What, what I want us to think about is this. Are we seeing clearly who Jesus is? This Christmas, are we seeing clearly who Jesus is? 
the Bible passage we're looking at today, it's in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. Uh, Jesus has been doing some amazing miracles. He's driven out evil spirits. He's healed people of all kinds of diseases, even raised a girl from the dead. He, um, he fed 5,000 Jews and 4,000 Gentiles with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Um, he, uh, he, he walked on water. All kinds of amazing miracles that Jesus has done. And, and Jesus, his message, his message has been this. He said to people, repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is near. Jesus is saying that in him the kingdom of God has come. Why? Because he is he's the king and he's on earth. And so he's saying that people need to turn away from sin and submit themselves to him. A number of people in the gospel so far, they have committed themselves to Jesus. They were following him around. They were called disciples. But in chapter 8 so far of Mark's gospel, we see that Jesus is quite concerned about his disciples. He's worried. He's worried that they're just following him because of the power that they've seen, that they've seen, they've seen his miracles and they think that he will be an earthly king who will conquer the Roman Empire and start an earthly kingdom. And the disciples, they're following him. Jesus is worried that this is true. They're following him because they're hoping to cash in on it, hoping to get some power and glory themselves when Jesus comes into his kingdom. Now, in chapter 8, so far, Jesus has warned his disciples. He warned them, uh, he warned them about some other power-hungry people, about King Herod and, and the Jewish religious leaders. He said, beware of being like them. But as we come into our story now, the disciples didn't know what Jesus was talking about. They, they couldn't understand what he was saying. So now here in Mark chapter 8, we come to another miracle. Jesus heals a blind man. He enables him to see clearly. That's something we see happen quite a few times in the Gospels, Jesus healing the blind. But with this miracle, there's one unique thing. Let me read you the story and see if you can see, if you can see for yourself the, 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 the weird thing, the, the unique thing about this miracle. Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. Have a look with me. <coughs> they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. All right, got a little exercise for you, a little Christmas exercise. Um, we're going to pause the video and I'll get you to turn to um, a person around you or some people around you or maybe just think about it by yourself if you're by yourself. I'm going to give you one minute to discuss this question. What's the strange thing about this miracle? What's the unique thing about this miracle? Okay, one minute, go. What did you come up with? I mean, the miracle itself is pretty amazing, isn't it? Jesus enables a blind man to see. That's extraordinary. 
Uh, plus, the, the way Jesus does it, that's pretty weird. Spitting on the man's eyes, not exactly a COVID safe practice. In fact, I think it might be contrary to current, current public health orders. If Jesus did that here, he'd get arrested. Uh, I doubt you're going to find any ophthalmologists who spit on their patient's eyes. It is a pretty unusual, strange, unique, weird cure. But one really strange and unique thing about the miracle is surely this. It takes Jesus two attempts. Uh, Jesus, he, he half heals him on the first attempt. He's, he's still blurry. People still look like trees. And then it's only on the second attempt that the man is able to see clearly. Now, that is unique. You, you never hear of that happening with any of Jesus' other miracles, only this one. So... What do you think is going on? What's the meaning of this two-stage miracle? Well, the clue comes in the next scene in the gospel. Jesus asks his disciples who they think he is. I mean, they've now had plenty of time. They've had eight chapters with Jesus now. They've seen the, the amazing things that he does. They've heard the, the amazing things that he teaches. So Jesus takes the opportunity to ask them, who do you think I am? Verse 27, Jesus and, his, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? In reply, uh, the disciples tell Jesus what other people think, uh, who, who other people think he is. Verse 28, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Now, these are the answers of blind people. They think Jesus is just another man, special, maybe, but just another man. But what Jesus really wants here, he wants to know where the disciples are at. He wants to know what the disciples themselves think. He's wondering, he's wondering if God has worked a miracle in their minds so that they can now see clearly who he is. Verse 29. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Peter gives his answer. And it's the right answer. He says that Jesus is the Messiah. The, the long-awaited king from the family of King David, the, the one promised by God who will rule the world forever. Still in verse 29, Peter answered, you are the Messiah. It's the right answer. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the, the, the king of God's kingdom. He will rule forever. All his miracles, they, they, they show it. All his teaching, it, it, it's revealed the truth. And Peter now miraculously can see it for himself. Jesus is the Messiah. But the question is this. Can Peter see clearly? What does Peter mean when he says, you are the Messiah? Is he still thinking Jesus will be an earthly king? Is he thinking that he can look forward to all sorts of glory and status as one of Jesus' disciples? Well, Jesus, uh, he warns 
his disciples not to tell anyone what they know or what they think they know about him. A bit of information can be dangerous. So Jesus says, keep a lid on it for now. Verse 30, Jesus warned them, verse 30, not to tell anyone about him. And then Jesus begins to, he starts to, to, to fill in the picture for his disciples. He starts to, to clarify their vision. He tells them what kind of a Messiah he's going to be. Jesus says that he will be a Messiah who is rejected, a Messiah who suffers, a Messiah who, who, who dies on the cross. It's, it's only after this, this, this suffering and this death that he will rise again to glory. Now Jesus, he tries to be as clear as he can about it. Verse 31, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Jesus speaks plainly, but Peter and the disciples, they won't hear of it. Like that half-blind man, they cannot see clearly who Jesus is. They want a king who has power, a king who has glory, a king who will rule the world straight away, not a king who suffers and dies. Still in verse 32, Jesus spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus rebukes Peter. He says, Pete, you're still blind. You're blinded by the devil. And you're blinded by your human concerns. You're blinded because you, 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 you're so desperate for power and glory and wealth and status. You don't understand God's agenda at all. Verse 33. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus is the Messiah who suffers and dies. He will go to the cross as the ultimate sacrifice to pay for our sins, to clear the path for us to be with him in his eternal kingdom. And so Jesus now says to the people around him, the people who are following him, following me, it's not going to mean glory and power. I'm going to the cross. And so if you want to follow me, it will mean following me to Jerusalem and to death on a cross. Verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus is going to die. And following Jesus, for those people who are with him, it would mean death dying on the cross with him but Jesus says whatever price you pay it's worth it <laughs> Jesus says he's worth it because because Jesus says he will finally enter eternal glory and he is the only one who can get people through judgment day and into glory with him he is the only one who can give eternal life verse 36 uh, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. 
Okay, can you see what's here in this passage? Jesus does this strange miracle. The man is blind, then Jesus does a miracle so he can half see, and then Jesus does a second miracle so he can see clearly. Jesus then asks his disciples, who do people say I am? Who do you think I am? Now they talk about what other people think, blind people who think Jesus is just another man. Jesus then asks them what they think. And God has worked a miracle in, in Peter's mind. He now realizes Jesus is the Messiah. But like the half-healed blind man, Peter still doesn't see clearly what it means that Jesus is the Messiah. He thinks Jesus is going to be an earthly king. He thinks following Jesus is going to mean status and power and wealth and glory. And so Jesus tells Peter and the disciples what it means for him to be the Messiah. And he tells them what it will mean to, to see clearly who he is. Jesus is the Messiah who will be rejected. The Messiah who will suffer and die on the cross. Only then will he rise from the dead. His kingdom will not be an earthly kingdom. His kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. And that means, that means following Jesus will not bring earthly power and wealth. It will mean following Jesus, well, for those people who were there, it would mean following Jesus to Jerusalem and to death on a cross. But Jesus says, it's worth it. It's worth sticking with him. It might not mean earthly power and glory. It might mean suffering. It might mean losing your life. But, but following him will end in something way better than anything this world can offer. Trusting and following Jesus will mean eternal glory. I reckon this is a great passage, don't you? I love the way that the miracle, blind, half-blind, seeing clearly, that, that the miracle illustrates the, the, the narrative, the, the stages of healing parallel the stages of seeing clearly who Jesus is. Just a man, Messiah, the Messiah who suffers and dies and the only one who can bring eternal glory who's worth dying for. All right. Uh, well, let, let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. The question this passage asks us this Christmas is very simple. It's, it's a Christmas eye check. The question the passage asks us is very simple. Do you see Jesus clearly? Do you see Jesus clearly? A few years ago, the McCrindle Research Group did a study on what Australians believe about Jesus. And they found, to their surprise, that... Um, the vast majority of Australians, 83% of Australians, believe that Jesus was a real person. But most people do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God, the Messiah, the King. In fact, 65% of Australians said that they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. In terms of our passage today, they are what the Bible would call blind. They are ignorant or, or, or wrong in their understanding of who Jesus is. They've got Jesus wrong. They're blind about Jesus. Is that you? Is that you, friend, this Christmas? Do you, do, do you think Jesus is just some man? You don't believe that Jesus is your king. 
your Messiah. Friend, if that is you, please, can I encourage you this Christmas, reconsider. Jesus is king. The day is coming, the Bible says, when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, friend, is the time to do it willingly and joyfully before it's too late. In that same survey, 35% of Australians said that they, they do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They believe he's the Messiah. That's, that's actually quite a few, don't you think? One in three, 35%. That's, uh, that's about 8 million Australians who say that they believe Jesus is the Messiah, like Peter in Mark chapter 8. Now, unlike Jesus, I can't see into anyone's heart, and it's not up to me to be anybody's judge. But you know what, friends? I fear that many of those 8 million Australians, they still don't see clearly who Jesus is. Don't you think? If anything, they're like, they're like the, the man when he was half blind. That's why they wouldn't necessarily describe themselves as Christians. Uh, that's why you'd rarely ever see them gathering with God's people to hear from his word in, in church or in Bible study. I mean, maybe you'll see them at Christmas and Easter, but, but certainly it's not going to be something that is, that, that's, that's central to their lives. Uh, they, they might say that Jesus is Messiah in a survey, but, but, but the way they live shows their, the, the fact that they think Jesus makes no difference to their lives. They, they think they can vaguely acknowledge Jesus, but, but not do anything in response. I wonder, friends, I wonder how many Australians really see clearly who Jesus is. You can tell, you know. You can tell when someone sees Jesus clearly. You can tell it from what they believe. They believe Jesus is the Messiah, sure, but, but more than that, they believe Jesus died on the cross and, and, and rose again from the dead to pay for their sin. Uh, they believe that Jesus is coming back to bring them in, into the Father's house, into the new heaven and new earth. They, they, they believe that Jesus is the only way that they can be right with God, the only way they can have eternal glory. You, you can tell people who see Jesus clearly from what they believe. You can also tell it from how they live. Now, of course... No one today can literally pick up their cross and follow Jesus to Jerusalem and die with him. Uh, they're 2,000 years too late on the wrong side of the world. And even then, nobody, nobody went with Jesus to the cross. Jesus died alone for our sins. But still, you can tell today in how people live whether they see Jesus clearly. How? Well, because like Jesus says here, They are not ashamed of him and his words. They are willing, they're willing to keep trusting in Jesus and keep identifying with him, even if it doesn't bring them any earthly good, even if it doesn't mean wealth or power. They're willing to keep trusting Jesus and identifying with him, even if it means they suffer, even if it means they have to make sacrifices. In fact, someone who sees Jesus clearly... They will realise that what they have in Jesus, the eternal life that is theirs in Jesus, it is way more valuable than everything in the rest of the world put together. They, they, 
the person who clearly sees who Jesus is, they would not give up on Jesus. They wouldn't forfeit their soul for the whole world. They would rather die than give up on Jesus. The person who sees clearly who he is, sees clearly that he is the son of man who will come in his father's glory with the holy angels and he is the only one who can give them eternal life. Is that you, friend? Can you see clearly who Jesus is? Is it showing in your life? A couple of weeks ago, I had my Christmas eye check. Once again, my eyes were worse. I needed new glasses. But friends, here's an infinitely more important Christmas eye test, isn't it? Do please think this through for yourself. This Christmas, are you seeing Jesus clearly? Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the Messiah. We thank you that he is the Messiah who died on the cross and rose again from the dead to, to enable us to be forgiven and, and part of his kingdom. We thank you that he is returning and will bring his people into his kingdom, a kingdom way more valuable than anything this world has to offer. Heavenly Father, will you please work a miracle in our minds and hearts so that we see clearly who Jesus is, our King, our Saviour, the only one who can give us eternal life and help us to trust in him no matter what, all of our days, this Christmas and for the rest of our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.